my name is Sarah. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And this morning we get to talk about repenting. Who wants to go first? <laughs> just kidding, guys. Just kidding. My husband would love to go first. Uh, two boys were walking home from church one Sunday after hearing uh, some strong uh, teaching in their Sunday school class about sin and, and the devil. And the one boy says to the you know, I guess I understand sin, but what I don't understand is this devil guy. Who is he? What, what, what's up with Satan? And the other boy replies, well, let's think this through. You know what the deal was with Santa Claus, right? He's probably just your dad. <clears throat> But I do actually enjoy talking about, about sin and repentance because I find it really freeing. And I just actually like being open and honest about the fact that we all have our stuff, we all make mistakes, and it's just really freeing to be open and honest about that. I mean, even going to share what some of my stuff is, so stay tuned. Um, we can be real about that. So this is going to be a good morning together. As we start... What is sin? Uh, there are a lot of different definitions, but many of us think of sin as breaking rules. God, society, our parents tells us, don't do that. If we do that, that's sin. For example, in this little video clip. Bible, or God's word, is the highest authority for what we believe and for how we live. It talks about things we deal with every day, like friends, money, work, pain, and happiness. The Bible is a guide. It shows us how to live, and it gives us boundaries. Some might say, I don't want a rule book. If I follow this, I'll lose my freedom. But if there were no boundaries or guidelines in life, our lives would be complete chaos. Think about driving. Boundaries help make it safe for us to drive cars or sports. Sports without rules would be terrible. Knodel's really got to get back on track here after bogeying the 14th. It looks like he's ready to make a shot. A smart move. Another smart move by Canoodle. And that's true. Sports without rules would be meaningless if you have ever tried to play sports with somebody who has been known to break the rules. It is not so enjoyable. So, so sin tells us what the fences are, tells us what the boundaries are, tells us where the good places are, and makes life ultimately more enjoyable to have some basic rules. But that's only a part of the picture. Many people think of sin like this picture, not living our lives to the best uh, purpose, to the fullness of who we were created and intended to be. We are meant for lives of purpose and, and honor, and we misuse our lives on, on cheap substitutes, not what we were intended, not how we were intended to live. So for example, money is a good thing. Nothing wrong with money, but when we start to misuse it, then it becomes a problem. We trade love for lust. We trade relationships for using people. Uh, we overvalue material things and money. So many people think of sin like this. That's a misuse. It's a false substitute. Um, my favorite definition, however, of sin comes from St. Augustine. And St. Augustine said, um, or St. Ignatius said, that sin is an unwillingness to trust that what God wants is our deepest happiness. And this really gets to the root of it for me. 
Those times when I don't trust that God wants the best for me. When I don't trust that following God is what's going to make me the happiest. When I'm not content with what is good and right in life. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah, he says, um, he, he sees God saying to his people, um, and God complains, he says, my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. A, a cistern is a, a jar or, or a tank for storing water. And God is like, there is a spring of good, clean water. They can just camp out around, drink all you want. And instead you're over here with a leaky jar of muddy water and it's leaking. And you're like, we're thirsty. We can't get any water. And he's like, what is wrong with you people? God is not okay with it. The season that we're in right now is called the season of Lent, the weeks leading up to remembering Jesus's death. And it's a time for us to get real about some of our stuff. It's a time for us to repent. Um, Lent is really a time for us to take our false substitutes, to take our crack cisterns and smash them so that we can drink deeply from the fountain of living water. So this morning... We're going to be real about our sin, okay? And I realize as we start that many of us have been deeply hurt by other people's sin. You've been deeply hurt by others' uh, lies about you, others' cheatings, by abusive relationships. And I want to acknowledge that and honor that. You've been hurt by other people's sin. Come back next week. That's like what the topic is all about next week. It's about forgiveness. It's about reconciliation. Our topic today is about our own stuff. But I want to respect and honor the ways in which we have been hurt by other people's sin. But our topic for today is our own sin. Um, people talk about the verse, love the sin or hate the sin. Do you know where that's found in the Bible? Nowhere. The, the message of the Bible is love the sinner, hate your own sin. And when we're really real, we realize that we've all got our own stuff. We all make mistakes. Our love is frequently self-serving. Our, our brokenness and woundedness goes deeper than any of us really want to admit. Our self-deceptions are both you know, laughable and sad. Our gratification at praise is embarrassing. Our internal thoughts and annoyances, if we wrote them down and published them, would look horrible. I have failed to live up to my own expectations. I've certainly failed to live up to God's expectations. So we're going to be real about our stuff because here's the thing. There's really good news about our stuff. It can be cleaned up. It can be cleaned up actually quite easily. So we're going to enter into that this morning. Who wants to feel better? Right? I don't want to carry this junk around. Little, big, you know, bothersome, you know, not really that bothersome. I don't want to carry this junk around. I want to feel better, and God makes a way for that. So let's pray as we turn to Scripture this morning. Jesus, we turn our attention to you. We give you our, our busyness, our distractions, um, the things that we carry in with us to this place. Would this be a sanctuary for us this morning? When we experience your presence and your peace with us, 
We thank you that we can turn to you in all situations and in all circumstances. So we turn our attention to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. This is a very unique Jesus experience. None of the rest of us are fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. None of the rest of us are having, you know, this vision or vision or experience, whatever it is, um, with the devil. Um, This is really unique to Jesus. So he obviously, though, became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm not just going to make stuff and feed myself here. I know what I came to do. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. It's true. He, he could have jumped off and just went, went flying. Jesus responded, the scriptures say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you. He said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So here we see three temptations, and the author, Henry Nouwen, has actually been very helpful to me uh, in this. He lays a lot of this out in his book, In the Name of Jesus. But the first temptation is to be useful, productive, relevant. Jesus, you don't have any food. It's our most basic need. Provide it. Yeah, and Jesus would have been super hungry, and he would, in his life, make lots of bread. He would make bread for thousands of people, but he refuses to perform on demand. Jesus went into this time of solitary prayer and fasting, and his temptation is to work, make, produce, fix his problems. The, the devil says to Jesus, you're not a loser who, who just like sits around with, with a problem. Solve it. Fix it. Hustle, work, achieve. And this is the temptation of, of factories, of elite colleges, of success. And it seems so, so good and right. But Jesus refuses. So he gets the second temptation. And the second temptation is to be our shiny self, to be wonderful, to be amazing, to be popular, to have people love and respect you. Jesus, show people what you can do. Go flying and and land on your feet. They'll all be like, wow, be impressive. Show people what you can do. The devil says to him, doesn't it bother you? That, that no one around here appreciates you? Doesn't it bother you that people like give you advice as if you didn't make this whole place? Show people who you are. Impress them. And then the last one is to power and control. 
Jesus can have the kingdoms in front of him. He can have obvious power. And you know, it'd probably be good. He'd make things right. He'd do things the right way. He'd control people to, to live life a lot better. He can take the fast route instead of the slow, less certain road. He has the temptation to control humanity instead of to walk with us. Jesus says no. He says, I refuse to take the path of power. I choose love instead. He says, I refuse to impress humanity. I choose to be vulnerable. He says, I will not churn out bread when I can give my vulnerable God wrapped in humanity self instead. And I think that these are really our root temptations too. There's a reason why Satan chose these. Uh, no, no, no. There, there's a reason why, why Jesus chose to face these temptations because he knows that there are root temptations too and he wants to face them and knock them down for us forever. Satan obviously does not tempt us like he did Jesus, but we all have these temptations and they are real forces of evil out there that want to capitalize off of you and me yielding uh, uh, to be part of exploitation and taking and accumulating and looking out for number one. They are real forces of evil out there that want to capitalize off of you and me yielding and, and being part of coldness and bitterness and divisiveness. And, and I'm outraged at that and I refuse. The good news is that when we say no in the name of Jesus, that temptations do leave us. Each time we say no, 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 no. Each time we say no, it gets a little easier and we take ground. We follow the way of Jesus who has said no to all temptations once and forever and who has defeated all forces of evil once and forever in his death and his resurrection. These temptations don't need to have power over us. And here's the spiritual path to all of this. It's repentance. Repentance, it releases us. It, it, it frees us from the power of sin. It wipes our slate clean. It, it gives us a new start. It, it frees our hearts and, and our minds to think and feel in a new way. Repentance is, is apologizing to God and then living differently. But it's not like apologizing to anyone else. When we apologize, when I apologize to my husband, to my kids, to some of you, um, when we apologize, it makes us feel better, right? You feel closer, that, that you got that out of the way. I think about one of my good friends. She's an uh, experienced mom. She has four kids. She's at home with the kids most of, most of the day. And her and her husband really want to have this, like, open emotional home where they're honest about everyone's feelings and where they apologize to their kids. My, my friend, she's at home with the kids a lot and she has a pretty good routine and a pretty good system down. But her husband, sometimes he'll come in and he doesn't have the same routine and system down. So he'll come in and, hi kids, why is it such a mess and rah, 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 right? So then he gets the opportunity to apologize. And the kids are all like, Oh, daddy wasn't happy with me. And then he comes and apologizes. And you know what they do? Oh, daddy, you're the best daddy ever. I love you so much. Let's go play basketball all evening. I love you. Bye, mom. My friend's like, 
who do I have to apologize around here to get some love? Right? But forgiveness is good. It feels good. It makes us feel so much closer when, when we've mended that, when we've repented and apologized and made things right. And very often when we are faced with our own flaws and our own failures, we say, that's just who I am. Right? We say, that's who I am. I'm insecure. Well, that's who I am. I'm grumpy. That's who I am. I'm sensitive. I'm just a demanding person. I've always been a demanding person. It's who I am. But that is not the truth. The truth is that you're made in the image of God and Jesus' love has perfected you. The, the real you may be very discerning and have high standards, but the real you is not demanding. The real you may never be a morning person, but the real you does not have to be grumpy. The real you will always be perceptive and feeling and emotive, but the real you does not have to be too sensitive. The real you is made perfect in Jesus' love and does not need to include this junk. And most of us, we're not entirely so sure we want to let go of our stuff. It's our crutch. We're really used to it. It's the way we're used to doing life. You know, getting angry or, or shouting is the way we know to, to communicate our feelings. And if I don't shout just a little bit, will anyone ever listen to me? It's our way of coping. It's what we're used to, right? Here's the real talk about my stuff. The real deal behind my annoyances, frustrations, pettiness, uh, y- you name it, is this feeling that if I don't go out and get stuff for myself, then no one else is going to give it to me. If I don't go out and get good stuff, no one else is going to give it to me. So I've got to go out. If I want any recognition, I've got to go out and get recognition. If I want happiness, I've got to go out and, and make happiness for myself that I can't receive. I have to go out and push and demand, right? If I want people to love me, I have to make people love me. And you know how lovable that is, right? It's not very lovable. And it's not a very fun way to live either. I want to live receiving God's love, not pushing or demanding or promoting. I want to be able to trust that God has my best in mind. Uh, last year for Lent, um, and I really actually enjoy the season of Lent. I don't think it's because like I'm a depressive person or, or melancholy. or I just like that our community life together has you know, ups and downs. We've got Advent, waiting Christmas. We've got Lent. You know, it's got texture and, and different times. So last year for Lent, I did something very simple. Uh, every day during this season, I prayed a short little prayer called the Litany of Repentance. It takes about two, two or three minutes. And it's a very pretty prayer uh, that Christians have been praying for hundreds of years. just lays out, you know, some things that many of us would struggle with. So I don't have to think of like, have I done this? Have I done that? Like, you know, I just pray through it. I did that every day, just two minutes, three minutes. And you know what I found at the end of Lent? I found that I was actually sinning less, guys. Like, it was amazing. It actually worked. I found that I was actually freed from some of, like, I had a little less jealousy. I had a little less anger or a little less demand. I was like, wow, look at this. It actually works. And it felt good. Repentance changes us. It releases us. It really, it feels amazing. If I can actually get myself to that place to be willing to lay it out there, 
It's a wonderful, wonderful thing for us. Repentance cleanses us. Repentance opens the door for God's joy and perfect life in us. Repentance is apologizing to God and then living differently. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around, change your thinking because you can live with God in charge. Leave this stuff behind. Walk in the way of God. I think of uh, Richard Foster tells this story. He's a Christian author and speaker that he felt really convicted uh, that he was spending way too much time on his career. Not enough time with his family. He was always busy, busy, work, career, career. So he said, God, I'm sorry. I repent. Um, And then he and his wife talked a little bit and he said, okay, I'm going to make every Friday night family night. Just a simple thing, just between them, not making a big deal out of it. So, of course, a couple days later, he gets a call from some people high up in his organization with a great opportunity that would be wonderful for his career. He's so honored. Thank you for thinking of me. Can you come and talk at our meeting? You know, national leaders will be there. We'll fly you out. It's on Friday. Can you do it? No. Oh, okay. Um, are you busy? No. Okay. Uh, can't, can you do it in a couple months from now? No. And he said he hung up the phone. It's just, it's a very little thing, but he hung up the phone and he felt so free. He felt this tremendous amount of joy wash over him. He was so happy. He had just totally told off the leader of his organization with like no real explanation. And he felt amazing. When we repent to God, it releases us and he makes a way forward and he changes us. So there's an invitation to us this morning to try it right? I guarantee there will be one of the best things you do all week. I promise you, no one has ever regretted taking their stuff to God. There's really no downside. When when I actually, you know, get to that place with God, I love it. It frees me. It releases me. It allows me to let go of the junk that I've stupidly been carrying. And that place with God where I'm totally vulnerable and totally real and still totally loved. So worship team, if you guys want to come on back up, we're going to have a time for us to, to get some of that stuff out there, to make it right, to receive God's forgiveness and love. We're going to go to our Heavenly Father, the one who made us, the one who thinks about us with a smile on his face. And we're going to reach down into our gut those things that we aren't so proud of, those slightly distasteful thoughts that we like to, to push out to the side and pretend we didn't think. It's like, it's like we have a junk drawer. I keep mine closed most of the time, and we're just going to dump it out before Jesus. And he's going to do some amazing things with our hearts and our minds this morning. Would you stand? Would you join together with me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you for your love and grace that covers us. We thank you that your invitation is always to come. Come to Jesus. So we lay out before you, Jesus, our fears and our frustrations. We say, would you take it? We lay out before you um, bitterness and jealousy, resentment, resenting friends for success and family for needing us. And give it to you. We lay out before you uh, offense, stress, anger. We lay out before you the ways that we have just 
um, gone after our own pleasure and our own comfort and entertainment. We give to you the ways in which um, we have talked bad about ourselves and beaten ourselves up and said unkind words about us, your children. We give you the ways that we have cut corners, told white lies. We give to you our, our negativity, our pessimism, treating life as, as a problem to be solved and not a gift to be enjoyed. And most of all, uh, we give you our lack of love. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved other people as much as ourselves. Would you um, give us that love again, Jesus? Would you allow us to walk in the ways of love and joy? Thank you that you already know nothing is hidden from you. We lay it before you. In Jesus' name.